What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. We're here to bring our opinions and our news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 215, we will be talking the NFL uh, championship games, uh, AFC NFC championships that happened this past weekend, uh, change of ownership in Baltimore, and uh, change of uh, coaches around the league for several teams. Uh, but we're going to start with the AFC NFC championship games. Uh, and everything happened exactly as I predicted. Uh, it will be the um, the Lions versus the Ravens. Uh, oh, wait. No, I was absolutely wrong on all accounts. And it will be the Niners and the Chiefs. Uh, what? I, I mean, two solid games. I mean, you can't, can't say they weren't good games. They weren't blowouts. Uh, one was definitely more exciting than the other. One looked like it was going to be a blowout. Uh, and one offense just didn't bother showing up. So, I mean, we'll go in each game, but what was your biggest takeaway from the overall weekend between the two games? I, I, I would say, Chris, to, to be honest, the two losing teams just handed the game over. That's yeah. blanket. Both of them just kind of handed the game like, Fumble on the goal line by Zay Flowers was pivotal. Um, and the Lions, I, I look, I don't like to do the hindsight's 2020. Um, you should have done this, you should have done that. Look, if you feel like your team should go for it, go for it. Um, but there was a couple of videos I watched throughout the week really highlighted that. Dan Campbell played I, – I, maybe he went a little too analytic, but he went for a field goal in the second quarter and wasn't and then was aggressive the rest of the game. And if you do the math, the Lions win by three. I mean, obviously the Niners are in a different situation. They're pressed a little bit more, but – the point was it's seventeen point lead. Five possessions is about what you're gonna get in the second half. You kick field goals in those two instances that I'm referring to in the second half. Now you're putting yourself in a position where you're probably gonna win the game, or you need the Niners really need to pull one out. And, and, and credit to the Niners who pulled it out. Mm -hmm. They just made the plays when they needed to make the plays. I'm just baffled at the Lions. They just they gave it up, and I think the the Ravens gave it up too, because the Chiefs were not playing on all cylinders. Um, Mahomes made some plays. Travis Kelsey made some plays. Uh, Rice made some plays. It's they made enough to win the game. I, I don't know where the the Ravens go from here. Because I think they have the pieces. Um, obviously, a healthier Mark Andrews would help, but I don't really see where they're going from here, except maybe adding a more premier wide receiver. But I thought they had. How many times you've said that, though? Yeah. And I like what Zay Flowers did, and 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 you can question the flag on the taunting because taunting is subjective, and okay. But Zay Flowers fumbled the ball. I, I get the the effort play, but he fumbled the ball. 
in the air at the one. Yeah. And it went out the back. So obviously they, they get the touchback and you feel bad for Zay Flowers because that's a hell of a play to try to try to get that seven because it was a struggle. And I get that part. I mean, there's a lot more plays there that need to be digested by the offense to really. I, I felt like the entire game for Lamar, he was trying actively not to run the ball in his with his first instinct. And there were times when he ran the ball, but I just felt like there was too many times where he just double clutched or uh-huh. he rolled out and he was really trying to like I thought that he was such on a such a tear that he was just he was gonna do whatever it took to win the game. And that meant, hey, I need to pull the ball down more than I probably want to. And I get what he's trying to he's trying to prove that he's a more complete passer um than he was before, but this is playoff time. You won the MVP on your ability to move the ball down the field in any way, shape, or form. And I just felt like there was too many times he just he wasn't gonna do that. He wanted it almost like he was proving himself. And I just or he was injured. I don't know if that's that's the case, but it just seemed to me like he just was trying to manufacture yards and move the ball down the field in a more traditional style, but that's not really what the offense is about. No. And I, I feel bad because I thought this was his year, but they lost by seven and they could have easily, easily had multiple occasions where they just kicked a field goal and put themselves in a position to win the game with the chiefs, no downfield threat. None. They have to move the ball. And I I don't think the running game was a top tier for the Chiefs, but I think it was enough. Like, they did enough to win. I just think the Ravens just put themselves in a position offensively to just... (laughs) The Ravens did more than enough to lose. They did more than enough to lose. On the other side, yeah. Yeah, I I, I think... uh, I'm with you. I never want to... Uh, second guess anyone because I'm not a head coach. I'm not in that position. Uh, the Lions are a team that very much believed in themselves all year. Very much. Uh, obviously, every team was a team, but you could tell they were. There's teams, and then there's teams. You could tell they were a real team. They were a bunch of guys who nobody thought was going to win anything in their Indiana NFC Championship game against the one seed. Dan Campbell's been going for stuff like this all year. Uh, I, I do agree. The inconsistency is kind of weird. Didn't go for it in the second. Then you're up by three scores, and you can kick a field goal to add. It's just, I mean, I might not have buried the Niners, but that's three more points. It's another possession they have to have. That's another score they have to get. It's like kick that field goal, a very makeable field goal. So many good things that happen for your team. You could be sitting here right now talking about Lions, Chiefs, in the Super Bowl. And, uh, again, I'm not in Dan Campbell's position. I like Dan Campbell a lot. I think he's done great things for that organization that really needed that spark, a head coach. And he's done really good things. I hope the Lions continue their success, unless they're playing the Patriots, of course, because uh, it's a cool story. And I like seeing teams that don't aren't normally there winning, although I thought the same thing when Kansas City won, and now it's like, oh, God, here we go again. So <laughs> it gets old really quick. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. 
uh, and the Chiefs are the villain, except to Roger Goodell and his fantasies. So, uh, yeah, the Lions really choked that away. Not to take anything away from the Niners, who didn't give up, kept fighting, got back in it. And uh, they are, on paper, absolutely good enough to win the Super Bowl. But that brings me to my point <laughs> about the yeah. takeaway. Uh, yeah, Ravens beat themselves. Uh, yep. Zay Flowers, I, I don't really feel bad for the kid because I don't dislike him either. But, like, you got to be smarter than he was. Make a great play. You're in the red zone. Your team's down by 10 at that point. And... You get up after a fifty-something yard reception, stand over the stand over the defender, slam the ball down right next to him, and start talking trash. You could have gotten flagged for three separate things there for taunting. Is taunting stupid? Absolutely, uh, but it is a rule, and you're a professional athlete making a lot of money to play this game. You got to know better than that. You hurt your team bad, really bad, because that same drive you cut another long pass, and then triple covered dove towards the end zone with defenders all around you with one hand in the ball. Like, that's lack of discipline. That's I know he's young. He's not even a rookie, right? Is he a rookie? Is that Flowers? Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. So, I mean, rookie, super talented kid. Obviously, there's a lot better things for him in the future. Uh, but really, a lack of fundamentals when it mattered and a lack of knowing when it mattered. And I'm not going to just say uh, Lamar did not look like himself, but I think that's a lot because of the Chiefs defense. And that brings me to my point of this team just knows how to win. Yep. And that sounds ridiculous because it's like, yeah, yeah, you win or you lose, of course you do. No, there's, I remember I've been a Patriots fan my whole life. And when they started their run of dominance, they won a couple of Super Bowls. And then every time they'd play a lesser team that I, I saw as a lesser team in the playoffs, they'd be the one seed. And this team was a six seed, and they play the six seed, and everyone's like, "Oh, this six seed is going to beat the crap out of them because isn't the same Patriots team? They don't have this guy and that guy." And I'm like, "Guys, you're like the one seed or the two seed or the three seed," and they were always underestimated because on paper they didn't have the most talent, but they knew how to win in big games. They, no moment was too big for them, and that's what you saw from the Chiefs because they should not have won that game. Ravens have a better defense. Ravens have a more dynamic offense. Um, and the Chiefs, with what I thought was not even close to a, a team that can match up to Baltimore, really handle Baltimore in Baltimore. And I kind of get it now as somebody from the outside looking into a dominant franchise, not being a fan of it because I'm the fan of it, you're always on the inside. You're, no, they're going to win. They're going to win no matter what. Hell, they were terrible this year, and I still picked them every week in my pick em league because I'm such a homer. So it's like I'm always going to think they're going to do it. But when people on the outside are like, no, this team doesn't have this player or that player or their receiving core isn't as strong or their defense isn't as good or whatever, and you're going, no, 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 no. I get it during the regular season. In the postseason, this team knows how to win. When it's just one game, win or go home, they're dangerous, and that's exactly what you get with the Chiefs. So I get it now why people would underestimate the Patriots because you're looking at it, oh, they weren't as good as this team or that team. They still get the job done. And it, look, Jackson Mahomes is annoying as hell. 
Brittany Mahomes is a, look at her history. She's a terrible person. I don't know what you're thinking, Patrick. Although I don't know how much better you are after seeing some of your stuff this year. Um, and I got just one more thing, real quick. Let me get some water here because yep. I'm okay. Andy Reid, great coach, right? No, no, no disagreement. No disagreement there. Not not saying he's not a good coach. Belichick. <clears throat> Belichick wins a bunch of championships with the Patriots and best coach of all time, all this Brady leaves and the franchise, which we knew was going to be in financial disarray. Imagine that falls into financial disarray. And there's all the problems that led to this offseason. Pats and Belichick moving on from each other, all this stuff. And now, is he as good as he ever was? Is he really as good as they said he was? Oh, can he still do it? Was he always just dependent on Brady? Was he ever really that good? And if you're really asking yourself that, number one, you don't know football. And number two, stop being Asante Samuel. Um, my thing is, we're doing the same thing with other coaches. All of a sudden, Andy Reid doesn't win a championship, gets the four NFC championship games in a row with Philly, gets to the Super Bowl, doesn't win, comes down to Kansas City, does well, makes the playoffs, makes definitely helps the franchise, doesn't win. All of a sudden, he gets a generational talent, Patrick Mahomes. And Andy Reid is a Super Bowl, or Super Bowl caliber, <laughs> of course he is, he won too, is a Hall of Fame caliber, greatest coach of all time candidate. And it's like, do you not understand that you just did the same thing? Like, Reid got Mahomes, and all of a sudden, the plan comes full circle, and he's winning. Belichick got Brady, and same thing. I don't understand this whole thing where we have to try to knock everybody down because it's not the same as it was 10 years ago. Look, the truth is, Belichick is an incredible football mind, but he refused, he refused to progress and learn the new ways of the NFL. He still wanted to do it his way, and it didn't work. It doesn't mean he wasn't good. Doesn't mean Reed's not good because he didn't win without Mahomes. Doesn't mean... uh any other great quarterback coach combination, neither one was great because the only one with each other. It's it's like it's it's the arguments just get so ridiculous. Like all these people now, like Belichick didn't get hired for a coaching job this year because he's not as good as he thinks he is. Everyone thinks he is. Or maybe there's a lot of baggage after twenty years of an organization and they just want to let the smoke clear before they bring in a guy who's going to bring a media circus with him. I don't know. Just trying to use logic here. But just a small rant. Like, Belichick, anything to discredit Belichick, no matter what, and everyone else gets credit for the same reasons they discredit Bill. And it just gets really, really old because there's no consistency. I would just say, for, for Belichick's case, um, there... I think for him, he looked at one team, took one team seriously, and the situation maybe didn't feel right to him or the ownership clearly didn't agree with his idea of how it needed to be run. So there's nothing wrong with Bill saying, okay, well, this isn't going to work out. I'm going to step back. Maybe he does TV, maybe he doesn't. Who knows what he's going to do? All I'll say is, Come next offseason, you know and I know there'll be multiple 
teams having vacant head coaching positions. And one could be Dallas. And you know and I know Jerry Jones really wants another championship. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? No. I'm just, that's just an example. There'll be other teams out there that really want, that feel like they're close and maybe they don't have the right coach in place. Maybe Buffalo feels like McDermott's not quite the answer. <laughs> Boy, that would be a real stick in the craw of, of, of craft if something went there. But that's a possibility because, you know, he had a McDermott, I think, he had to blow out both of his coaches um, during the season. And there's a lot of turmoil up there, as we know, because same Buffalo Bills. Um, I just – I just think there's there's a lot of area for him to kind of kind of grow this offseason and jump back into the pool and really have his pick of the litter. I do want to point out one thing, um, and we can kind of close on the, the championship games. Um, the Chiefs, I didn't realize this. They kept talking about it and talking about it. And I just like kind of in the back in the front of my head, like, let me look this up. And we know Kansas City, Kansas City, more of that for the defense as far um recent history is more pressure on the quarterback not so much and a little bit of linebacker play not so much the secondary right if you look at their if you they're they're number four in passing yards given up and they've drafted the secondary like they have just drafted well and they've other than chris jones they've kind of shifted their focus on that secondary and i think when you look at a team with with a premier secondary and they're going against a team that has a nice rookie, um, an aged veteran that thinks he's better than he is, um, a couple of other pieces, a uh, nice tight end in, in Isaiah Likely. Mark Andrews is obviously not healthy. Uh, and a backfield that's a mash unit. Uh, I think you have to look at it and say, well, they can literally just man up in the secondary and then just attack Lamar. And that's kind of what they did. Mm-hmm. Like Chris Jones had a game. Like oh, he's yeah. kind of the reason why Lamar was on skates. Other like like I said though, I think Lamar was trying to do a little bit more um in the air than he sh- than he should have. But Chris Jones sneaky had a really dominant game. And if he puts another game um, up on the board that's close to that, we already thought it was going to be tough for Chris Jones to come back next year because he's a he's a free agent. He's his contract will be voided at the end of the season, and there's no way that they get him on the cheap. So no, either no. he's either Mahomes is restructuring again, or Chris Jones will be a free agent. And he's going to get someone's going to throw the bag at him, um, and that'll kind of I think. In my opinion, that might kind of start to turn the Kansas City Chiefs dominant unless they can find that piece to kind of replace him, which I don't know if they can right away. But um, the Chiefs are, I think we're looking at like the next couple of years, they're they're just finding ways to win. Uh And until a team comes in and says, I'm going to go into Kansas City or you're going to come into my place, and we're going to take you down and we're just going to we're going to go up by 21 points and we're not going to let up. And until a team does that, 
you're just not going to see the Chiefs die because being within the, the the point total that we were looking at this game, like even if the Ravens scored a late touchdown, wouldn't you have the confidence in 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 the Chiefs getting in field goal range and Harrison Buckner slamming a, a, a game winning field goal? As I would, I'd have that confidence because they just win. They just find ways to win, and until someone like with the Patriots. Forever, all the time. It's always, it's always been, well, you can't count them out until you actually dethrone them. Right. Well, it took Tom Brady leaving for someone to finally come along and say, well, we're going to win the division, but it happened. So until that happens, until, you know, unless Joe Burrow decides he wants to be healthy for a full season, or if Josh Allen can figure out how to run on offense efficiently for an entire season or who knows Stefan Diggs, you know plays in a playoff game plays <laughs> but who knows if uh, the Texans take that next step yeah by the yeah. way we're, we're gonna talk about this post offseason I think like I said like I, like I kind of uh, dropped a, I think it was like a month or two ago I think I think there's a guy or two out there that that they can pull a move and really take that next step um, forward, but um, I, I was, I went one and one. I thought it was gonna be Ravens Niners in the in the um, Super Bowl, and I was kind of disappointed when the Ravens couldn't pull it off. And I can tell you, Chris, I have a very good friend who is a Niners fan. Let me tell you, he was quiet. For about two hours. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> and then his his Facebook feed did not stop for another twenty four hours because he just went off. And hey, to the to the winner goes the spoils. So hey, I would say, yeah, I told this you is... you're texting me that during the game, and I'm like, yeah, I remember that a couple times during the Baltimore games and stuff like that. And it's like, damn, man. Ray, Ray Lewis retired and Peyton Manning retired. They both not the pats out on the way. And I'm like, I remember talking crap about, oh, we're going to throw you a retirement party. <laughs> and it didn't work. And I'm like, oh, damn it. Man, I got to walk all that back now. That sucks. <laughs> um, it's, just, it's different as the Niners actually came back and won. But. Right, 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 right. So so now on to the, the Super Bowl, Chris. Um, I don't want to get, I don't want to give away any, anything. Because um, obviously we'll talk about it next week. Uh, just preliminary thoughts on Super Bowl. Uh, I think I think it's going to be really close. It's going to be a really good game. Um, I know last time these two teams played, was it three years ago? Four. Four. Uh, yeah, because that, that was the first one. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I'd say uh, I, I just... I. I don't know, man. I, I think I think it's gonna be a really close game. I, I I don't know why, because on paper it really shouldn't be. No, it should be a dominant game. On paper it should be Niners like like thirty five seventeen. It right. really should be. Uh but the Chiefs continue to, like I said, find ways to win. So I think they're gonna find ways to keep it close. Um Mahomes, for all my opinion, may have changed on his personality-wise after some of the stuff he said this season. Uh, uh, finds a way to win. He's a dynamic player. He's a generational talent. Uh, 
And, you know, there, there's been some sparks on that offense. Uh, you know, Kelsey will continue to do, just be allowed to do whatever he wants to do because I guess him and Goodell are good friends. I have no idea. Um, anytime you do something to that guy, you get called for a penalty. And anytime he doesn't catch you, you get called for a penalty. So it's getting absurd. He has enough talent on his own. He doesn't need the help. Uh, but I think, I, I think um, if the real 49ers show up, if if the team that knows who it is and that can play its defense the way it, the way it intends to, and that doesn't make stupid mistakes on offense, shows up, yeah. it won't be close. But I, I just have a feeling. The Niners have been really good. That's why they were the one seed. But they, they, they've just, they haven't had, like, the killer instinct to, to like, put the clamps down on a team and really just keep them down. It's like, it's always, and this isn't a knock because I, I, I don't dislike San Fran in any fashion. I like, I like a lot of their players. I'm a huge McCaffrey fan. I think Brock Purdy's story is great. I'm rooting for him. I'd love to see him get a ring. Uh, it's just, they got to tie it together. They have to. They have to know going in yeah. exactly what their identity for that game is going to be. Is McCaffrey going to take it and run it down their throat and, and catch fifteen passes and be the guy, or are you going to try to sling it around the field? Or are you going to try to do a combination? Because the Niners' problem is they start playing one way and then they try to switch it up mid-game, and it doesn't work. It, 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 you've seen it a couple times. They've lost the teams they should have beat, right? And they they didn't. They didn't put that nail in the coffin when they had the chance. They didn't. They didn't stick with the game plan, and it, it almost looked like a disjointed effort. And then by the time they're trying to make a comeback late, it's too late. It's like your team is talented enough. Stick to your plan, and you will win. You will do it. You will save us all from having to see the same group of idiots on the field. You see it. You save us all from. Kelsey and the Swifties and, and, and Andy Reid looking like Dr. Robotnik with a frozen mustache and, and and Patrick Mahomes acting like he doesn't know his brother and wife are complete morons. Just just save us. I will happily cheer to see Brock Purdy and McCaffrey and the, the great Bosa and all those great players on San Fran get a ring, hold up that trophy, and get number six. I will happily take that. If they can save us from the Kansas City apocalypse. I, I I, I I just I, I agree. And the, anybody out there saying, "Oh, hypocrites!" because you're Patriots fans? Yeah, absolutely. I don't care. That's because that was our team. Of course, when it's not your team, it sucks. We all know this. This isn't news. <laughs> here, here, here's what I say to to kind of push back on anyone who would say that. I try not to be a hypocrite in this situation. And look, what Patrick does, what Travis Kelsey does. Look, Tom did a lot of that, you know, celebration afterwards. A lot of players would do that afterwards. Can I try to be consistent with this? My beef with the Kansas City Chiefs is not the players on the field. It's those two idiots that are attached to the starting quarterback. If I would try to find something if those two idiots weren't attached to him, uh, but he makes it very easy for him to not be liked because – he is joined uh, on one side by his wife and on the other side by his moronic brother. And I think that's 
really what my contention is with that team is not players on the field. Oh, it's no, no, same here. Absolutely. Those two. Absolutely. Those two. And if you remove those two, yes, I'll find something. But And I'll, be, I'll look more like a hypocrite because, you know, Patriots domination and they would talk a lot after, you know, they do their talking afterwards. But, sorry, uh, Brittany Mahomes and, and Jackson Mahomes just – they just make it easy for you to hate the team because they're attached. And Taylor Swift, okay, I get it. Sometimes there's a little much, but the the worst thing that happened was Brittany Mahomes now having what looks like a friendship with her just made everything 10 times worse because now she thinks she's someone that she's really not. But well, like you said, the Niners can solve this problem. Yeah, Niners can solve this just by showing up and winning. And I'd love to see it. And uh, I think the problem I have there is like Brittany Mahomes and Jackson Mahomes have absolutely no talent or skill to speak of whatsoever. Brittany Mahomes just hit the jackpot that she was able to convince some dude she isn't what she is. (laughs) And uh, I don't have, I said before, like the Taylor Swift coverage is annoying, but I don't, I don't, I don't. Blame her for that. No. She's she's there supporting her boyfriend in the skybox celebrating whatever. It's the media and everything that tries to just latch on and get some of her credibility because, dude, she's an insanely huge star, obviously. She's a freaking billionaire. I mean, I, I don't mm. – not really – I'm not a pop music fan, so it doesn't really do anything for me, any, any of that music. But, like, she's clearly a talented individual who a yeah. lot of people really, really like and who has done very well for herself. And has talent and is where she is for a reason. These two just know a really famous quarterback. It's yes. like, it, it, it's like, it, it's I mean, stupid. I mean, and, and, and to the point, uh, I think I saw a tweet, and I don't know if it was real or not, but I'm going to pretend like it's real because I like to think so. Um, Patrick Mahomes' dad was asked before the game last week if he would be in the box with all them. And he said, he'll be nowhere near that. And I'm <laughs> paraphrasing. But, uh, I probably wants to watch the game in peace. Yeah. I, I, I hope that I really hope that's true because that just reinforces my opinion of Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes as just <laughs> leeches come, on Patrick Mahomes. Come to think of it, whatever they show at Skybox, I don't actually see him in there. I don't either. Suspiciously. I don't see him. Um, I, I do think, um, cause I go back to your point about the, the, the Niners, I, I was actually, while you're going, while you were going off, I kind of thinking back, I'm like, when was the last time I saw the Niners put their foot down and leave it on their opponent's uh-huh. neck? And I think it was the Dallas game that was mid season. Like they, they went up and, they and then just, it lasted what four straight after that. I don't know if it was four straight. Three it was three or four, something like that. But but they they like that was CMC going off. That was Brock Purdy on point. He was because I was watching the game with my uh, friend Joel, and you can imagine how he because a hates the Dallas Cowboys. Well, who does? He loves I mean... his Niners. So it was just like it'd be like me and you watching the Patriots destroy the Miami Dolphins. So. Um, but we'll get more into the um Super Bowl next week, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, 
I mean, since we, we, we kind of broached a little bit on head coaching, um, why don't we dig into the comings and goings this year of the head coaching ranks? Yeah, in let's the do NFL. it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read off all the position, the, all the teams. Uh, and you kind of like, just give me one, just give me one that kind of stands out to you. Um, we had uh, the Panthers, they fired Frank Reich um, midseason. And then uh, Dave Canales, uh, I don't, uh, oh, he was, he came from Tampa Bay uh, as the head coach. Uh, I believe he was the offensive coordinator. The Las Vegas Raiders fired Josh McDaniels midseason huh. and hired interim uh, head coach Antonio Pierce. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers fired Brandon Staley, not soon enough, and unfortunately hired my head coach from the Michigan Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, the Falcons fired Arthur Bad Smith. Move. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, and hired Raheem Morris um, in the Washington Commanders today. I think, yeah, it was today. Uh, they fired Ron Rivera earlier in the offseason and uh, hired Dan Quinn. The Tennessee Titans uh, fired Mike Rabel and hired Brian Callahan. I don't know where Callahan was before. Um, Seattle uh, fired Pete Carroll. And hired defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, Mike McDonald. And last but not least, the New England Patriots mutually parted ways with Bill Belichick and hired Jarrod Mayo. There, there, Which one of those stand out to you, sir? Uh, well, I mean, the, the obviously the one that affects us most is Mayo taking Belichick's place. That was kind of the one where it's like Belichick's so synonymous with the Patriots now, so entwined with the team, and it's be gone is odd. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think anybody who was really paying attention, anybody who I'm not talking about reading the little clickbait stories. I mean, really watch the body language of Kraft and Belichick those last couple of years was really that surprised by the fact it was a mutual parting of the ways. Like, look, I don't want to quit. We don't want to fire you. This isn't working. Let's just, let's just go. So, not really a surprise. Um, Harbaugh leaving Michigan after winning a championship and putting that program together and bringing it where it is and looking like you have a team that can compete for years to come, especially being his alma mater. I don't think he's hurting for money at Michigan. He was probably making a very healthy paycheck. And to go back to the NFL where a lot of times – Big-time college coaches do not transition well. Uh, he didn't last time. I mean, he had Kaepernick. Yep. It was that wild playing style that Kaepernick had that worked really well for like a season and a half, two seasons. Got to the Super Bowl. Yep. Lost to Baltimore. Uh, the Harbaugh Bowl, in fact, when he played his brother. And it was kind of scapegoated out of town. Uh, I don't think he's a bad head coach, but when you have a – Guy who is already coming from the college ranks. That's already enough of a challenge. Yep. And now you have a team in, in the Chargers who, look, I stuck up for Herbert the past couple of years. Other people haven't, but he's better than people say he is. Uh, I can't anymore until he proves it because I know he was hurt some last year, but the guy has the talent. 
but he's inconsistent, and he has receivers. Keenan Allen's one of the best in the game. Uh, he Keenan has a free agent too. A free agent now too. They better bring him back or find something to replace him. Uh, Austin Eckler's been a touchdown machine the past couple of years, and they've had good defensive players. I do think they have a habit of going for the number one free agent defender, throwing a lot of money at him, and it doesn't pan out. They have a hard time putting a team together, uh, which he might be able to help with. But I don't know. I don't see it working like crazy. I don't see all of a sudden where the Chargers are going to compete for the West next year because they have Harbaugh. And when Harbaugh gets shipped out of town in two and a half seasons, if he makes it that long, uh, Ann Arbor is not going to be open for him. No, so it's not, sorry, it's closed. he's not going to be able just to go back nope. and, and do it. Like he went out with a championship. That's great. But I just think it's like, man, why? Ugh, it's, it's so it's such a weird call. Like you're in a place you belong. Stay there. Like bring it back to legendary status. Like it was before. Uh, I don't know, but the coolest one for me, I'll say is Antonio Pierce being hired by the Raiders. I think that's an awesome move. That team was dead in the water with McDaniels. The offense wasn't moving the ball. They weren't getting the job done. They had almost zero fire, and they ship him out of town, and Pierce comes in, and you saw an overnight change in how that team played. The defense was after the ball. The offense, look, they weren't juggernauts to begin with, but they were far better and more consistent, and you could tell they knew they were being coached better. Uh, and when you have a star, uh, a massive player for your team like Max Crosby come out and say, there's no reason this guy needs the interim title anymore. He right. should be the head coach. I want to play for this guy. And if this team, for no reason, is going to ship this guy out, I don't want to play for this team. Dude, that's the kind of stuff that builds continuity and that builds a solid relationship with player, coach, ownership. That is great. And I'm not a Raiders fan. Dislike them. They're just one of the teams that's kind of there. But, man, if you're a Raiders fan, you should be really excited because your players got the coach they want. you got a coach that has proven he can get these players fired up and playing. That is very, very cool to see. You don't see people go out and live for many people anymore. And I think it's cool when you see it and it's justified and it totally was there. And Pierce deserved the chance to go in and be the full-time head coach for an entire season with an offseason to plan and a draft and a free agent period. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I give you three yes for one, uh, but uh, there's Sorry, more. Man. But um, kind of surprised Vrabel didn't get a shot. Not really surprised Belichick didn't for the reasons I mentioned before. But Vrabel, man, shocked he was fired. Shocked Pete Carroll was fired. He was a staple up there and, you know, did more with that team the last two seasons than anybody really thought they should have. I mean, the fact they were in playoff contention and in playoff games was just, like, amazing considering what they gave up and, and how they went from rebuilding to, oh, we're competing right now um, very quickly. And he's drafted so well. I, very surprised. There must have been obviously things behind the scenes we don't know. But really shocked when I saw that. I, I, will, I will give you some context um, to Harbaugh as I – I, I, I wish he didn't go. However, between the rumors of sanctions coming down on him and the fact that Sharon Moore, the now head coach, uh, primed and ready, I think those are kind of two big factors. Um, and the fact that he got a 
huge. Michigan was not going to match the 15, 60 million he got from San Diego or the LA Chargers. They just weren't. They weren't going to come close. So I think you put those three together. I think that's, and the sanctions are a big, big deal because Harbaugh had a huge, him and the NCAA would go toe to toe a lot. Like Harbaugh was a, he would grandstand for the kids and the NIL and how they should be paid. And, and that's not something I'm sure you're aware. It's not that something the NCAA liked because oh, of course not. Yeah. They wanted to keep all the money to themselves. Um, so as much as I didn't want him to go, I kind of figured out, figured he was going to go. What annoys me is that he took uh, our defense coordinator with him too, uh, who has ties to Baltimore. So here's what I'll say on the chargers this season. It'll be interesting to see where that defense goes because they are going to try to build um, a replica of what the defense they built in Michigan. And if so, like same kind of like defense, the Baltimore Ravens kind of run. So I think you're, you're going to see that. The problem is obviously that defense doesn't really match what the style is right now. Things could change off season draft. Obviously a lot of things can change. Um, but if you're asking me, I think the biggest change this season to last in the next season for the San Diego, uh, the LA chargers will be their defense because they're just, they're going to install this uh, There's defense that is bred to win championships then they're going to try to fix that offense and Justin Herbert. And that's, as you pointed out, that's where the question is going to be. With that being said, Chris, I would say the biggest, I think, I think the biggest move. And again, we're going to show, we're going to, we're going to be a little bit Homer right here because I can't help it. Mike McDonald taking the head coaching job at Seattle. I think that, even though you everything you brought to the case about Pete Carroll, this guy is a, a genius on defense. Him and him and Jesse Minter were on the same defensive staff from 2021 to 2020, 2020 to 2021. And then Jesse Minter took over defensive coordinator position for Michigan when when Mike McDonald went to the NFL. He's going to run the same defense as Baltimore runs. He's going to run the same defense that Michigan runs. So you're going to see at minimum three teams in the NFL that are going to run defenses very, very similar to them. Uh, I think he's now the youngest head coach. And I think he's going to bring an energy to that team that was only seen with the initial hiring of Pete Carroll because Pete Carroll's energy is like, off the roof. Oh, dude's always I, going. Yeah, I, I don't understand how he has that much energy. Um, dude, but Seattle's known for their coffee, man. A lot of caffeine. Backs. Uh, I, w- I will be interested to see where this team prog- progresses. Um, you know, Pete Carroll likes to build a defense. Uh, they drafted well on defense. I think you're handing a defensive-minded head coach a pretty decent defense. And an offense that needs some work. I think I think the a- NFC West um, right now dominated, obviously, by the, the Niners. Um, but 
watch out for Seattle, man. They, they, they're, they're, they're going to build something there. I have a lot of faith in Mike McDonald. Um, would have loved to see him in New England, um, but that, obviously that didn't happen because, you know, they hired Gerard Mayo. But um, nothing really else. I guess on the negative side, I would say there's a there's there's one that kind of stood out to me, and I, I'll get your feedback on this. When I saw it this morning come through my my Twitter feed, I'm like. Washington Commanders are going to hire a retread. Yeah, Dan Quinn. And there's, there's, you, do you smell that, Chris? There's a stench coming out of Washington. It's that stench of twenty to three. Because <laughs> just remember, he was the head coach for that. Yep. So the retreads <sighs> work great. Just ask the Panthers. Yeah. So, um, I I understand. That maybe if for some reason Ben Johnson didn't want to take the job, and the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans didn't want to take the job, and then maybe maybe Aaron Glenn for the the DC for um, the Lions didn't want to take it. I don't know what the case is. I don't know if offer wasn't there, um, the control wasn't there, whatever the issue was. Dan Quinn seemed like the better option than. Then, then, yeah. Then these three guys who, you know, Aaron Glenn built a hell of a defense with with Dan Campbell. And, and in my perspective, Chris, and this is just my perspective, it's from what I heard and what I watched. It seems like Dan Campbell has kind of been what you want in a head coach. That guy that's just there, he's he's moving the team in a positive direction, but he doesn't control the offense. He doesn't control the defense. He lets his guys control it, mm-hmm. and that's what I like to see in a head coach. It's what I'm hoping I see in Gerard Mayo. Um, but I just, with with these two guys, the, the offense and defensive coordinator, plus the offensive coordinator from the Texans, like, those are three great options. And, and you didn't want to, you didn't want to try either one yeah. of those three. You wanted to go with this. Like, can you, can you help me with this? Or do you think, like, are we on the same path on this with Dan, <sighs> Dan Quinn? I mean, I made the retread joke before, and mm-hmm. I just talked about Harbaugh not having success. Well, I shouldn't say not having success. He tried a team in the Super Bowl, but not having sustained success and kind of getting chased out of the league. However, we then talked about Pete Carroll. And let's not forget, he was the coach of the Patriots for a few years, went yep. to USC, yep. did great in USC, probably also running from sanctions, uh, ran back to the NFL. <laughs> uh, and had a hell of a run in Seattle. Uh, so, I mean, retreads can work in the right situation, but to me, this was like, they didn't want to take a chance on somebody who was, I guess, quote, unproven. So they took a safe bet. Like, he got a team to the Super Bowl, but a team that had a lot of talent, a lot more talent than that Washington team has right now. And he wasn't consistent with it. That's why he got chased out of Atlanta. It was like, why is this guy the retread if you're going to go for a retread? Why would it not be somebody different? Like, if you're going to take a chance on someone. And I know people say, oh, they, they, Belichick was interested. They were, Yeah, no one's going to touch Belichick this offseason. Too volatile right now. Got to let the smoke settle. Got to let the smoke clear. 
got to know exactly what's happening. And right now, he's going to want to bring eight coordinators with him, and no team wants that. They want Bill and a new coaching staff. They don't want the same old, same old. Um, I guess he was a safe pick. He's done him before. He knows how to do it. But this team's problem the last several decades has kind of been they're always one step behind. They're one step behind taking a great quarterback. And when they take a great defensive player, they usually, like, Chase Young, yeah, he was great for a couple of years, got injured. Wasn't quite the same when he came back, but was still really good. And then he got Chicago, shipped off. Hmm? Uh, Chicago, I believe, right? Oh, he's playing in the Super Bowl next week. Oh, that's right. He went to the Niners. That's right. I forgot. They went, they went, to, went to Chicago. Um, well, good for him. <laughs> that's a hell of an upgrade. Uh, but, I mean, just uh, if I'm a Commanders fan, I, I'm – kind of sitting there going oh okay it's not even like a young coordinator that would be exciting it's not even like somebody we haven't heard of before that we don't know what to expect and at least that's fun it's dan quinn the name just sounds boring like the name just sounds like i don't know a seven win season <laughs> it's like yeah. i don't know it's just yeah. weird I, like I don't disagree with that chris that's what it sounds like <laughs> but you're just treading water and yeah. settling into, into mediocrity because it's a safe pick, and you're hoping, you know, in some way, shape, or form, the 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 Cowboys and the uh, or the the Eagles or the Giants are just going to fall off, and they have the second pick in the draft. So now they have to, and now you're 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 looking at Dan Quinn. If you're a Commanders fan, you're looking at Dan Quinn, and and the GM is like, okay. You're the second pick in the draft. Are you even going to take a quarterback? Are we going to go with um, Sam Howell, uh, who had a lot of yards, but I believe he was one for one on his interception to touchdown ratio, which is insane with that wide receiving core. Not good. <laughs> um, I, I just look at that, and, and, and I like Eric Bieniemy. I think he's still – I don't know if he's going to retain on staff or not, but – that just seems like a misstep by the, the Washington Commanders. You had an opportunity. You 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 saw what uh, I think it's Slovak or slow slow. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I apologize to him. The the offensive coordinator for the Texans. Like you saw what he did with first year CJ Stroud. Un- understandably, like a talented player, but I mean it could have went the other way. We oh, yeah. saw that in Carolina. Yep. Um, you could have went with Ben Johnson, who took a broken, broken Jared Goff and just got him. Revitalized him. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. just going to get another good contract somewhere. Hopefully Detroit for his sake, but he's going to get another big deal. And, and you can argue Aaron Glenn, who, who constructed that defense, and they played at a high level and very, very much a turnover defense. Um, these three guys I'm looking at, I'm like, they got the opportunity, but there, there, there's something there. I, I have to believe there's something there that turned them off from the Washington Commanders. That's what my feeling is. It's because there was rumors off the on the set that, yeah. that that Ben Johnson didn't want to leave Detroit, and this was a time when it was pretty much 
um, Seattle and Washington. And everything coming out of Seattle is they were waiting for the Ravens season to be over to interview Mike McDonald. So it almost seemed like they were targeting him, which, okay, if that's your guy, that's your guy. Um, it just, it, it's, it's this, I'm not, I'm not going to get over this because it's just, it rattles me. Like, why would you pick that guy? Very odd. Maybe I'll be wrong. Very odd. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think it's going to pay off well for them. I think we'll be talking about them changing coaches again, maybe even next offseason. Who knows? And, and yeah, that's well, the thing, too. If he comes out and you go you go two and seven, like, are you just cutting ties already because you know it's just yep. more of the same? And you're looking for another Absolutely. head coach. Instead of trying a young guy, give him a few seasons and going, can you develop this team? Let's do it. Let's put something together here. But you don't have any time to because either draft stars, ship them away, or you draft retread coaches or – like guys who should have been able to win, like Ron Rivera, and you don't give them what they need to win. They haven't had. When's the last time they had a quarterback where it was like they had RG three and Cousins when they drafted them, and RG three didn't really pan Cousins out, like, and then Cousins, right. you know, did well. But I would say Cousins third or fourth season, like that would be the yeah. And after that, it's just it's been a while. I mean, longer than it's been for the Patriots. <laughs> it seems like a lot longer with us. But uh, it'll be interesting. I, I think there's some certain teams just seem to repeat the same patterns and then wonder why they get the same result. And it's just like, well, stop hitting your thumb with the hammer, moron. I do, I do want to touch on one thing, Chris, before we move on to the, the last topic. I think because um, we actually – haven't talked about it um even off uh in, in text chats or, or calling I, i'm i'm positive on what gerard mayo just did he understanding success or failure of their past history i like the idea that uh we have a definitive offensive coordinator a definitive defensive coordinator yes. and a definitive um, special teams coach. Absolutely. Love it. You can say what you want about their history. Um, I mean, DeMarcus Co- Covington got promoted, so I'm very much cool with that. Um, I know uh, Alex Van Pelt is coming from essentially Cleveland, but I don't think he was – I don't think he was with them last year, but essentially he's coming from Cleveland. And then – the special teams coordinator, I don't remember where he was from. I think it was Houston or something. I don't remember what team. Maybe the Chargers. But um, just just like on the surface, looking at that and how he's constructing everything, I think that's positive for me. Still waiting on that GM, though. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I like it, too. People need to find roles. Need organization. Not, you know, uh if you show up to a new job and you got three different people telling you to do something and you don't know who's in charge, you don't know what the pecking order is, you don't know what the chain of command is, what's expected of you, what you're supposed to do in certain situations, that's the problem you're running into. It, it leads to inconsistency. It leads to confusion. You need to know this is the D coordinator. That's the offensive coordinator. That's special teams yeah. guy. You listen to this guy, then this guy, then this guy, and then the coach. It's like you have to have structure. 
especially when it comes to a team sport like this. I 100% agree. I'm really happy to see that. We'll see how everybody plays out. Um, but I am fine, like you said, promoting one from within and then finding guys who, let's not forget, when Belichick came in, he had a great history as a coordinator, not a great history as a head coach. Right. And so it's not always about the wins and the losses necessarily. Obviously, it matters down the road once they're in a position, but how they handle situations, sometimes just having somebody you feel comfortable with what you've seen in certain situations is worth taking a risk on. And I'm fine, fine with taking a risk on people that we don't know the outcome will be because we might find the next star. We might find the next great coordinator. Uh, no problem at all. Need structure and need to take a chance on some guys. So all for it. Yep. Yep. Um, I agree with you hundred percent. And, We'll see what they do at quarterback, um, but that is a topic for another day. Jim Daniels. Hey, hey, he might not be an option, man. Well, I just, I just uh, coughed. I don't, I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know if you heard something. I'm just there, telling but... you, like the rumor is, he might not be available at three. Really? Oh, okay. Uh, he's there's there. there look, look, I'll give you a brief. So huh. what I heard recently, in the past couple of days, is that his. They're playing. They were there. The, the the projections were he was going to interview at the combine, and his metrics were going to be off the chart. He was going to interview great. His story is fantastic, and that was supposed to be happening post combine. We're not even close to combine, and there's projections him going number two. Hmm. Caleb Caleb is still classified as the one. Yeah, but I, I it, it's if if it's not Jaden Daniels, I, I want no part. Be me very clear about this. I want no part of Drake May. Yeah, I've heard some. I mean, I like he's a tall pocket passer, but that's not really what the game really is right now. I mean, can he move at all? Is he a statue or can he run? I feel like he's. I feel like he can move, but. This is a bias towards North Carolina quarterbacks. And the fact that he didn't do a whole lot last year, understanding he had less talent, didn't do a whole lot last year. And he is getting credit for not leaving UNC to go to another team to get a better NIL deal. So he's getting a lot of credit for that. He's getting a lot of credit for having less talent, which, okay, that's great. We just saw a quarterback that needed talent to succeed, and he had less talent and didn't succeed. So people are going to disagree with me on Drake May. I'm telling you. I told you Zach Wilson was going to be a bust. I was right. I'm telling you right now. I'm steering clear of Drake May. Steer clear. It's either Jaden Daniels, Marvin Harrison Jr. That's those are the two options for me at number three. I, guess what? I agree. But... Getting, we're getting we're getting one or two. Hey, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, Chris. One of those two guys will be there at number three. Okay. 
That's the plus. Oh, I agree that one of them will be there at three. But I just think the the, the allure of a franchise top-tier quarterback, whether you believe it will be or not, is too much to pass up at that position. I want – look, if we don't get Daniels, I want Harrison also. Yes. Um, To be honest – I'd rather almost draft what's his name, Joe Alt. The one guys are so everybody's so big on the lineman. The uh, lineman from North, Notre Dame. I'd probably rather take him than what I'm hearing people say about Drake May. Uh, but realistically, like I said, one of those two guys will be there, Daniels, or because I think the Bears are going to go with with Williams at one. Or they're trading. Or they're trading. Um, there is a lot. There's a lot of and chatter that's, about you about know the trade uh, the the trade though if if they don't and they take say they take williams one yeah or or no say they, say they take harrison one i mean and who, who's number two uh washington 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 will probably take williams at that point yes but i mean if I mean, just out of like, would you be comfortable taking Williams if by chance he fell to three? If if it was Harrison Jr. Daniels, I don't see that happening. But like, I've heard a lot of negative things about Caleb Williams. Of course, the minute somebody's in the spotlight and they're going to be a big time player, all of a sudden all the negativity comes out. I have nothing against the kid. I have no idea. I've just heard he's been inconsistent and he hasn't performed the best under pressure. But yeah. I mean, there was a lot of knock. There were some knocks against Patrick Mahomes coming out of college too, and. Josh Allen and a lot of other guys who ended up being just fine in the pros. I would say, I will say though, that defense was absolutely abysmal. Like uh, for, each for, both, yeah. for USC, both yeah. years, both years, they were absolute. It was absolutely, and, and supposedly they fixed it last off season and they made it halfway through the season undefeated. And then it just fell to pieces. So Lincoln Riley can build an offense. He can have great quarterbacks, but he is he is incapable of having an, a defensive staff put a representative defensive team on the field, which is just insane. That being said, if if it's Marvin Harrison one, Jaden Daniels two, Caleb Williams goes number three. Perfectly fine with that. Like. The only the only thing with that will be Caleb Williams being a little bit of a diva if if any of the rumors are true about him wanting specific locations to be drafted to. I don't know if that's true or not. But that would be I Chris, if 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 there was some vortex that happened that made it impossible for the Patriot to take either Marvin Harrison, Jaden Daniels, or Caleb Williams. I know it's not possible, but let's live, in a, <laughs> let's, let's live in a universe where it is possible. And they have Drake May. I'm taking Joe Alt from Notre Dame at tackle instead. Okay? that's I, I'm living in a, a, a reality that really cannot exist. Right, right. But you're that, you're, what and you're then, saying, though, makes sense. You're like, you're that, you're that against picking him. You don't, don't want any part of him. Look, look, we... We've had the Mitchell Trubisky experiment. We've had the Sam Howell experiment. Those are UNC quarterbacks. I mean, I know they're different players, but they're coming from the same school. 
lot of the same system, same results. Yeah. Come on. All right. The, the only difference between Mitchell Trubisky and Sam Howe is Trubisky's been in the league longer. That's about it. So I don't know what you want me. I don't know what else you want me to tell you. Like it, it, if they draft Drake may, I will call for the termination of the offensive coordinator, the head coach, and whoever's <laughs> acting as a GM. And quite frankly, Chris, I will call for Bob Kraft to surrender ownership. Good of Lord, the man. You're going a little over the top here. I don't want him. I don't want him. Okay, say that now. What if he comes out and we're like, end up going like like a 12-win season, like, Hold on. and he plays great and wins rookie of the year? I've learned my lesson, okay? I've learned my lesson with Daniel Jones. I will stick to my guns for at least three or four seasons, and then, then only then will I turn, okay? Drake may, I as, well the, li- Drake may as well the Lombardi above his head in three years in a Patriots uniform, and Ben's like, I don't know about this guy. He's not, <laughs> not consistent. Listen, only one listen, championship with a loser. Listen, I made that mistake with Daniel Jones, okay? <laughs> I kept flip-flopping back and forth, back and forth. Hey, you've been right a lot of times, though, too. Yeah, I'm just saying. I, I've learned my lesson with Daniel Jones, and clearly, I was initially right on him. But yeah, I will not claim yeah. him as I will not claim him as a victory. That is not a victory in my book. <laughs> okay, not a victory. And for the record, for everyone knows who haven't who doesn't know, I thought Jan, Johnny Menzel was be a, a spectacular quarterback. That is a big L on my record. But I think we'll you've see. got more. I think you've got more right than wrong in the last couple of years, though. I like to uh, think so too. Yeah. You got a pretty good track record, dude. Um, let's move on to a little baseball. Uh, yep. Something that kind of surprised both of us. Uh, we didn't really even know this team was up for sale. Apparently, was it yesterday, the day before, the uh, Baltimore I Ravens? It today, man. Oh, was it today? I thought I, I think it came through today. I could have sworn I saw it yesterday. I, I do track of time, man. I really do. Uh, but uh, Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore Ravens, <laughs> Baltimore Orioles uh, have, well, the Ravens might have been hoping to be sold after that performance last Sunday. Uh, the the Orioles, after having their first winning season in a long time and winning the division and making the playoffs, uh, have been sold for $1.7 billion uh, to a ownership group that includes Karupkin Jr., which is pretty cool. I mean, Oriole, great. Iron Man, uh, hell of a player. I mean, nothing but nothing but good things to say about Karupkin Jr. Great, great player, old school player, hard-nosed player, kind of guy you always wanted on your team. Uh, great player for the Orioles for many, many, many years. And uh, now part of the ownership group, which is really cool. And uh, talk about selling high. Uh, they said something like that. The, the, the current ownership had owned their team for like 30 years, 35 years. Hadn't had a lot of success in that time. And <laughs> they win the division to go to the playoffs, and they're like, yep, for sale. So that's hey, smart, man. If you know you're going to sell, sell high, absolutely. Um but, yeah, we had no idea the team was even for sale. I mean, obviously, Ben and I would not have been bidders. We're not in that tax bracket. Uh, but usually it's kind of a pretty publicly known thing when a team is for sale. There's a lot that goes along with that. And I hadn't really even heard it anywhere. So I was kind of surprised when I saw that just because I had no idea they were up for sale. Yeah, I mean, there's always rumors. Uh, maybe you always took that with a grain of salt. Um but it is incredible. Um, now he, now those players, the people you mentioned, Chris, they're um, 
They're not the primary. The primary is, let me see, uh, the primary is someone named David Rubenstein, co-founder of the Carlisle Group. And they sold it for $1.725 billion. And can I, can I, now, now, if you're a financial person, you're wondering, well, what kind of return of investment did they get, did they get on their deal? Um, well, quite a bit, actually, Chris. Um, mind you, it is very clear that they sold the controlling stake of the team to Rubenstein. So when we say controlling stake, that means they probably own some shares still. Oh, uh, I, I, I would but, think so, yeah. Yeah. So they, they sold it for one point. Seven two five billion dollars, and the um, Angelos Group, the one that currently owned it, who just sold it, uh, purchased it from the Jacobs um, family for one hundred and seventy three million dollars. That is quite that's a turnaround. A hell of, that's a hell of thirty years. Absolutely. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a that's what ten times in profit or. Uh, 10 times more that you uh, sold it for than when you bought it for. That's pretty yeah, good. That's a hell of a return on investment. Yeah. yeah. And it'd be interesting to see if uh, they sold the controlling stake in the TV because they have a TV um, a regional network, kind of like uh, we have Nesson up here. Mm-hmm. They have uh, Masson down there. So I wonder if that's part of the deal or not. Because if it's not, that's just more. That's anyway. Um, we bring that up because that's very intriguing that they that deal went down, and they also traded for uh, Corbin Burns. I don't know if you saw that. Chris. I did not actually. No. Yeah, they they, they the the Orioles acquired Corbin Burns from uh, I think it's Milwaukee, right? Yeah. Yeah, former site former Cy Young winner Corbin Burns. Awesome for a couple of players in the thirty fourth pick in the draft this year. Like that's. I just say I hate Red Sox ownership. I mean, I do too. They are terrible. They are, they are absolutely terrible. I don't throw that word out there lately either. They're awful. They took a team that has a rabid, loyal, loving fan base, and it's like they toy with us. It's like, oh, we're going to get you the players win the championship this year, and then we're going to get rid of everybody that you like. We're going to harpoon or lampoon poor uh, Raphael Devers on this just wasteland of who the hell is that that we call a starting lineup uh, 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 paying him after we let you know Mookie walk or traded Mookie and let Xander walk and you know homegrown guys who had talent and, and, and everything and oh you might ask yourself well maybe they don't have the money to keep those guys uh trust me Fenway Sports Group is loaded with a capital L. They are, have all the money in the world. They could do whatever they want. They could have been players for Shohei Otani. They could have gone after any of these big Japanese players that came over this year. They could have gone after any of the big free agents. They're not. What are they doing? They're trading away what little talent we have to cut costs. Um, they're a terrible ownership group. They don't care about this team. Uh, and uh, I, I love the Red Sox. I always will. That's not going to affect how I feel based on ownership, but um, I won't be visiting Fenway Park anytime soon. I won't be taking the hours-long trek out there and dealing with Boston traffic and all that for to go 
watch a team that the owners don't even seem to care about. So um, I will watch them from afar, and I will keep an eye on how they're doing, and obviously I care. I'll, I'll track their standings, uh, but um, they're not going to get a dime of my money until they start spending some on some damn talent because this is getting ridiculous. This is the second offseason in a row where there's been big-name free agents where you could use that some money and put a solid foundation on this team like we used to have, and you did nothing. There's all the talent in the world this offseason and all the talk about Shohei Otani coming to Boston, all these other guys coming to Boston was all just smoking beers so this ownership group could waste more money on other things and take more money from the Red Sox. And it's embarrassing, and they're terrible, and I hope they hope to imitate the Raven, uh, Ravens, the Orioles' ownership, and sell. Sell. Sell to someone who cares. If you don't care, get out and do all the other stuff, but leave the Red Sox alone because the fans still want to see this team succeed. I mean, I can't disagree with you. Like, they're paying Justin Turner $6.7 million. To not play for them. So I don't play for them. Like they bought him out, Chris. Like they bought him out not to play this year. And then they, I, I have no listen. I have no problem with the Chris Sale trade. They're paying no. him seventeen million dollars this year, and that'll be the, hopefully that's the end of it. Like I understand that, Chris. With that, all that, they're at one hundred eighty million dollars. They're at one hundred and eighty million dollars. This is the Boston Red Sox, and they're at a hundred. They're, they're they're saying they have to come down from one hundred eighty million dollars. Are you are you seriously kidding me? Like we're tenth, we're tenth. We're not. We're just above league average, but as far as like the twenty six man payroll, they're at one hundred fifty five million, which puts them thirteenth. I couldn't tell you who they're paying either. Um, there's Devers. a star on this team. There's Devers. And he's They're playing, playing, what, 35 of that maybe? Uh, 29. And 29. they were paying Trevor Story, too. Okay, yeah. Who, when was the last time he played reasonable shortstop? Uh, I'd and, be thrilled if he played more than 40 games. That'd be great. And then, and then we go to Yoshido, Gilito, and then Kenley Jansen. And then it's under $10 million from there. Like, it's it's nothing we're paying three position players a lot of money and then after that position player wise like it's it's a who's who of what the hell are we doing like that is that is our base problem is they're trying to they're trying to really get this salary under i don't know what they're trying to get under but they are trying to get this the tax threshold, Chris, is $237 million. They're not even breathing towards that. No. So oh, they could still we, have, they could have they could have Mookie right now and still be under it. They'll be under it. Like I don't know. They just need this 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 is I, I think I can speak for a lot of Red Sox fans. They just need to sell the team. Yep. If you don't if you don't want to invest and what what hurts this more is they just invested, I don't remember how much it was, but a bunch of money into the live slash PGA tour to be a investor in that. And obviously they have their soccer team and they have their race team and they have this and they have that. You want to be owners of all that stuff. Great. Good for you. 
pat you on the back. Thank you for bringing us the World Series championships. Peace. Get out. You're done. You don't want you you don't want to invest in a team. That's fine. Put your money elsewhere. Just sell to somebody who wants to invest in the team. Find somebody. I don't care who it is. Doesn't Robert Kraft own the New England Revolution also? Uh, technically, I think Jonathan Kraft owns it. The Kraft family owns them, essentially. Like, yes, probably. but I think he does. Can you see one of them going, sorry, guys, we have to invest in uh, the MLS expansion so we can't get you that new, that talented player. We can't fix up this part of the stadium or we can't improve this part. No, no. Because he knows well, where. Yeah, exactly. Like what they just did, right? What? The last off season, they like closed oh that. the screen. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they don't, that that that's their money that uh-huh. they put into that stadium that they purchased. Because Robert Kraft was a fan, and he cares about his team succeeding, like a lot of NFL right. owners do. And uh, the Fenway Group just—I don't know. It's a cool thing to have, have the Red Sox logo on their letterhead, I guess. I I don't know because they certainly aren't acting like owners in any fashion. They're embarrassing. Uh, I will, and 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 to make, do you want me to make it worse, Chris? I can make it worse. Um, the Boston Celtics are currently uh, fifty three, fifty one million dollars over the hard cap or the the hard cap in the NBA. Fifty one million dollars. They made no acquisitions uh, yet this trading season. Uh, they are, they're just, the, the ownership is set. The ownership said, this is a team, Chris, that went to the NBA championship finals two years ago. We went to the Eastern Conference finals last year. And then we came into this offseason and said, you know what? We need to do, we need, we need to shake some stuff up. Made some trades, but traded some players that were a part of the team last year, a core part of the team. We said, we need to move on from that. We and they traded for Christos Porzingis, gave him a bunch of money, and now he's like the third or fourth option on the team, and gave him a bunch of money. So, but they were okay to do that because they're like, we're going to invest in the team. Yep. And and I understand NBA is slightly different, but look at the Golden State Warriors; like they have not been under the cap for this entire run um boston Celtics currently are the fourth highest payroll in the uh no sixth highest payroll and all the other teams ahead of them have talent so it's not like they're not trying yep and the, like i said the golden state warriors are 90 million dollars over the cap they are paying Penalties on penalties on penalties each and every year. Why? Because they're committed to win. Mm-hmm. And until Steph Curry steps off that court, they're just going to keep committing to winning. Why? Because that's what they want. They want to win because they know. Because the Golden State Warriors fans know what it's like when it was they weren't winning. Just like every other team is trying to win, they want to win because they see what the winning does. The winning brings fans to the stadium. It brings. It justifies you increase. You think a Golden State Warriors ticket is cheap? I wouldn't I think so. Imagine. Not anymore. We can't imagine it is. But guess what? They're packing it. They're pa- well, I don't know about this season, but 
in previous season, they packed playoff games. That's extra revenue, jersey sales, all that stuff. Boston Red Sox ownership. No, I told my friend who's a Yankees fan, I said, we'll enjoy the fifth place uh, position again this year. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're just not. It's going to be Rafael Devers and a bunch of guys. Yeah, no one in Atlanta to protect him. I mean, Trevor Story is going to be healthy for a third of the season, maybe. And, I mean, Devers is an exceptional young talent, but you got nobody around you. What do you do? There's no team that's going to be scared to pitch to just him because, all right, he'll solo home run off you. That's about the worst thing he's going to do because. Or they're, or they're going to do this. And, and, and who do we have? Who do we have? Oh, exactly. Yeah, walk them. Uh, who do we have in the minors? We don't have. We don't have a robust minor uh, league system like we did for a while. We have some few people, but it's not like it was. That Myers like, kid. That's about. I think his name's Myers. Like I don't even know for sure, but he plays shorts. He plays middle infield, which looks like we have covered. So like the entirety, the entirety of what the Sox were doing for so long, which is drafting well, building a good minor league system. You could use those guys for trades, or hopefully they'd pan out in the majors, like guys like Pedroia did for a while. And that's not there anymore. That base isn't there. I left with Theo Epstein, it seemed. Uh, and um, they can't seem to get a consistent GM. They can't seem to get a, you know, I like Alex Cora as coach, but they're not giving him anything to work with. And he's going to end up getting fired probably after the season, if not during the season. Because ownership is just terrible, and they're cheap, and they want to give them chicken shit and have them make chicken salad, and it's not fair to him, and it sucks for the fans. And um, yeah, when you start seeing Fenway Park not sold out at all ever, a stadium that sold out for seemed every game for two decades, yeah. and now you can walk up to the front gate and buy a ticket day, day of, that says something. That's not just hey. We haven't won a series in a while because there was 86 years they didn't win a World Series. And that stadium was packed every night. That's not it. When it looks like when you tell your fan base that you do not care, the money stops. There, there, There was a tweet earlier today by Jared Carabas. Huge Red Sox fan, okay? Does a huge podcast for the Red Sox uh, about the Red Sox, about baseball. Huge. He tweeted out a picture. He was at Costco's. There is a Costco display for Boston Red Sox two tickets, two field box tickets, plus two hats, okay, for select select home games. Non-refundable. How much money do you think it is? Two hats, two, two field boxes. <sighs> Let's see, I, I'd say I'll go ninety nine. One one thirty. Okay. One thirty. One thirty. For select games, obviously. So yeah. Non Yankee games. Like, yeah. Non Yankee. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we're at. It's where we're at. Like they're they're trying desperately. You can't. They can't paint this barrage of. Sold out. They stopped that. I'm glad they stopped this whole mirage of, all oh, we've sold out this many games. You know and I know, and everyone else knows, they haven't sold out a game in probably the better part of like three or four years. Uh-huh. You don't have a product on the field. You don't. 
It's it's Rafael Devers, and that's it. And then the, the pitching is uh, uh, almost thirty year old Luke, Lucas Giolito being your number one, and then Brian Bello, who we can hope he emerges into a stud, but I don't know. And then a riffraff after that. Like you're just not investing Dude. properly into the team. And, and Giolito two years ago was an animal. He was going to be one of the the good young up and coming pitchers in the game. Struggled for a couple of years. Um, look, that's not a bad guy to get if you have a one two already. If you're bringing him in as a a, a flyer, right. that you might be able to get some of that you know that that magic back he had a few years ago and, and develop it into a pitcher that could help you for the next four or five years. Great. If he's a number three four in the rotation, where there's not the pressure on him. You bring him into a media market like Boston where the fan base is already pissed, the media is already pissed because they're all fans of this team too and they're not winning. They're insane, but they're fans too. Uh, and you're going to be the number one when you've come off two seasons of mediocrity? Oh, this isn't going to go well. This isn't going to go well at all. And Brian Bello, I, I have uh, he looked great at times last year and he's young. Dude could be great. I have no problem with him. But now you're putting him pressure on him. G. Leo's not going to be the one. It's going to fall on Bellow to be the one. Maybe he takes the reins and he, and, he, and he kills it. And we're one of those teams that has a great starting pitcher every five days and then we're garbage the rest of the four. Uh, like some of the early Pedro years. Um, I just... I, I don't see this team having a spark. I don't see this team having anything. Like I, I love Devers. But Devers is not a, a, a firecracker. He's not... I got to get the team going. He looks almost like bored out there sometimes. And it's not to knock the guy because he's super talented, but you got emotion and fire from Mookie. You got emotion and fire from Xander. And they're both gone. And you kept a guy who doesn't appear to. We kept Kyler Murray. We kept a guy essentially who is super talented, but it's kind of like. Sometimes I'll play football. Sometimes I'll play Call of Duty. Like, Devers just looks like, ah, sometimes I want to play. Other times I swing at a ball three feet outside the strike zone and I'm good. It's like, that's fine for a three or four hitter with a lot of talent around him who's going to knock 30 home runs a year. Not for the only offensive weapon on your team. And this team is in a sad state and it's really bad. And we need new ownership. We need to rebuild. And anyone who thinks this team's going to turn this around in the next three, four, five years with this ownership group, we're going to be the Marlins in two years. Just calling it what it is. Even even if Craig Breslow can navigate the draft and, and infuse some talent, here's the problem with the draft in regards to Major League Baseball. Unless you get a special, when I mean special, I mean special talent like a Mike Trout that, or Bryce Harper, who don't really go to minor league. They just go right to majors. Unless you get that, you're not seeing production from that player or players three, four years, if you're lucky. Like, you're just not. That's why there's, what is it, like 20-something rounds in the... Yeah, it's a lot of rounds. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Like that's why there's so many because you have to have the influx of talent because you got to throw as many baseballs at it as you can and hopefully something hits. But 
it's it's just it's been broken for well, so long. If any of those people throw in those baseballs, it's going to throw accurately. The Red Sox are looking for starting pitchers. So uh, <laughs> for Yaki Way, Boston Mass, yes. uh, head there, please. Bring your own jersey because they're not going to pay for one for you. You're right about that. Um, it's and what makes it what compounds it even more, Chris, is that the Yankees aren't going anywhere, okay? Because they're they're spending their money. I mean, they didn't go crazy this offseason, but they spent money. Yeah. Um, the Blue Jays are starting to get to their point where they have to pay these players. This young this young nucleus that has grown together. They're starting to get to the point where, okay, is it time? The Rays are the Rays. We know what they're going to do. They're going to trade. They're going to make moves. They're going to be 500 or better, and then they'll have a season here or there where they're really good. The team that need, that you, me, and everyone needs to be concerned about is that Baltimore team. That team has talent. They have young talent, and they have their top prospects – at least their top prospect, who didn't even play really last year, who's now going to come up this year. Uh, what's his name? Jackson Holiday, I think it is. Yeah, I think so. He didn't even play last year. So they did all that success without him, and now they're going to infuse him. In. And now the news about Corbin Burns. Okay. I, I know they have to play this. They have to play it out, but watch out. This team is probably going to go through and just run through the AL East without any any thought of of finishing less than first place. Well, uh, hope I'm wrong, but I, I don't see I don't I don't see the Sox being any kind of contenders for a long time. Uh, anything else? Are you good? No, I'm I've done my. Rant on the Red Sox. I, I think I'm good for about a month. <laughs> well, on that depressing Red Sox note, we will wrap up episode 215. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports related at all, Ben and I'd love to hear from you. And mm-hmm. where can I get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTS Pod, Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, and Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. And if you have not done so yet and feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast, write a rating, uh, excuse me, leave a rating and a review, and ask a friend to do the same. Really appreciate the support. Till next time, for Ben, I'm Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you right back here next week. Thank you.